Sony is merging PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now into a three-tiered service, but they're also expiring games people have purchased in the past. Tonight is April 10th, 2022, and The Bobby Blackwell Show, featuring your calls and chat comments, is up next. So, so love, you would say, uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. Welcome. I actually don't think there's anything on television tonight, so thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's just us. This is the best thing on, on, on a television tonight, obviously. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, yet another edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminiscing about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on this Sunday night, thank you so much. Welcome. Uh, we do tape this show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network, and uh, that's where I'm going to be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night but uh if uh if you can't be here live on sunday nights i completely understand a lot of other things are going on family time stuff like that i completely get it uh and i I absolutely love the fact that we still have a a great sizable podcast audience podcast listening audience we do have a discord server that you can join during the week though and uh submit topics even uh, talk back about topics go over to fognetwork.com slash discord to get the free invite into our server it does not move that fast you're not going to get notifications at all times uh but it is a good place to see some of the things and even contribute uh where you want the show to go uh fifth remass what's a television uh it, it it tells visions to you to your eyes and they move that's what they do uh and uh but I, i'll be trying to read and challenge comments from chat like uh somebody was asking uh e3vl asked did anybody see the sonic 2 movie better than the first one and all I got to say about that is uh, I tried to watch the first one. I had to shut it off after about 30 minutes. I couldn't take it anymore. So it being better than the first one, that's not exactly a high bar to me. But apparently uh, a lot of people are liking it, and that's great. Uh, I couldn't make it through the first one. I turned off the first one at about when they got to the cowboy bar. And that was when I was like, I can't take this anymore. This is done. This is done for me. So uh, will I watch Sonic 2? No, but uh, people are posting everything about it, so I'm sure I'll get the entire plot of the movie, uh, even without seeing it. So uh, I hope if you enjoyed it, I'm so I'm happy for you. I'm glad that there's stuff out there for you to enjoy. It just ain't for me. And E3Ville says, there's a cowboy bar type moment in Pump Sonic 2. Well, now I know to, to just avoid it completely. Uh, and uh, so I will, I will let y'all... Enjoy that movie. Um, we also did get a, uh, we, we got a viewer comment actually last week, uh, and I didn't see it in time, so uh, I, I didn't put it on the show roll for this week, uh, but we actually did get a viewer comment on on, uh, on a previous episode from E3VL, who's actually in chat right now, and it's about a st- story we didn't talk about last week, uh, and I didn't actually plan to talk about this week, but uh, it, w- it was interesting. Uh, 
some of the, the the joke he made, and it's one that I've heard before. But Breath of the Wild Two, or the the sequel to Breath of the Wild, we don't know if it's called Breath of the Wild Two. In fact, most likely it's not going to be called Breath of the Wild Two. Uh, they uh, had an announcement where it was being delayed until spring of 2023, and uh, the joke here that E3VL made that I also heard other people make, but I'm going to attribute it to E3VL. Uh, maybe the developers played Elden Ring and decided to add more or update features. Yeah. Uh, I and I can see that because a lot of people are saying Elden Ring did Breath of the Wild better, uh, did a better Breath of the Wild than Breath of the Wild did. Uh, and uh, and he does continue to say, guess the big holiday title from Nintendo is Pokemon again, unless they announce something later on. Uh, they've uh, you never know with Nintendo. Um, they tend to not show off a lot of titles early. Some they do, and then they get delayed. And I think the reason they don't talk about uh, like the new Pokemon titles until they're about to come out is because they know it's going to be delayed. And so they don't want to get your hopes up. Like, you know, that's why like Metroid prime four, we still haven't seen yet. Uh, you know, breath of the wild, uh, the, the sequel to breath of the wild. We, we haven't seen that come out even though they've announced it. So I think Nintendo likes to play things close to the vest and they'll probably talk about this summer at some point. Uh, not the first week of June when they used to do it because nobody's going to do that in the first week of June. But sometime this summer, they will announce something that we will not have, have expected, and it's going to be out this holiday season. That's what I'm going to kind of expect it, it to happen. Uh, it won't be Breath of the Wild, and it probably won't be Metroid Prime 4 either. Uh, it'll be another big holiday title that we don't know about yet because it is still only April. Let's go ahead and get into some of the news uh, that happened. This also happened two weeks ago, uh, and I didn't talk about it last week because I wanted to talk all about trade shows and conventions and stuff. We're not going to talk about any of that tonight. I told you I was going to move on from that topic, and I did move move, move on from that topic. Uh, the Verge reports that Sony is announcing new versions of its PlayStation Plus subscriptions. It's long-rumored answer to Xbox Game Pass, and, and I hear that a lot where this is supposed to be the competitor to Xbox Game Pass. And no, it's it's I don't see it as a competitor to Game Pass and I don't think Sony sees it as a competitor to Game Pass. It is their answer to Game Pass. It's like that's what that's what Xbox is doing. We're doing something different. And that's what they're going to they're talking about here. Um PlayStation Plus is now going to be a combination of Sony's two current subscription services, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. Uh, so two new PlayStation Plus subscription options will include access to multiplayer gaming alongside a catalog of select PlayStation games to install or stream. These new tiers will start to become available in June in Asia, followed by North America, Europe, and the rest of the world. As part of the launch, PlayStation Now will no longer be available as a standalone service. They're essentially taking PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, and they're like, we're just going to call it all PlayStation Plus. They're not actually changing anything about the service. They're just calling them PlayStation Plus, and they're making them separate tiers. So you can get PlayStation Plus, or I, you can kind of get PlayStation Now now, uh, but there was like a loophole, and people were like stocking up on PlayStation Now cards, and apparently that was a loophole that Sony closed, so hope you didn't do that. Um, and A3VL says, yeah, they're just fusing them. Yes, they absolutely are. Uh, PlayStation Plus Essential is PlayStation Plus. 
It is priced at $9.99 monthly and will include the same PlayStation Plus benefits that exist today with online multiplayer access, two monthly downloadable games. Wait, two? Two? Sony did it again. I'll explain when I finish the sentence. Discounts and cloud storage for saved games. This tier of PlayStation Plus will effectively remain the same and at the same price. Two games. Two. It's three now. It used to be five. Sony is the master at downgrading their service without you realizing it. Because they put the downgrade in, like, fine print right after, like, you're coming off of a high of something they announced. Uh, they have they did this really masterfully at uh, the, the old industry trade show that used to exist called E3. Um, they did, when they did their digital briefing, uh, they had run a video of here's how you play, uh, here's how you trade used games on PlayStation, and you just handed the disc to the other person. Everybody got cheers out of that. Uh, and, and so they had that and they were riding the high of that, uh, you know, talking about how you could, you know, the PlayStation four, you're going to be able to, to, you know, use physical media. It's not going to be always on because that's what the Xbox one was going to be at the time. It wound up not being that now, now it is. And they're both always on consoles, but I digress. Uh, they did that and everybody was like, yeah, woo. Yeah. And then they announced PlayStation plus the new additions for PlayStation plus, on PS4 compared to PS3, and in there was online multiplayer gaming. They kind of just slid it in there, and then they did reiterate it like five minutes later that online multiplayer gaming on the PS4 was going to be a PlayStation Plus benefit. PlayStation 3, online gaming was free. You did not need PlayStation Plus. In fact, PlayStation Plus was just a game delivery and cloud storage service, and that's all PlayStation Plus was for the PS3. They slid in amongst the high of, hey, we just slammed Xbox, and ha-ha, we're, you know, Xbox, take that. Uh, and they were like, yeah, online multiplayer gaming is going to be PlayStation Plus exclusive on the PS4. And for, like, a couple days later, I actually had to explain that to people who did not believe me. Oh, Sony would never do that. Sony would never do that. So so no, so no, that's a Microsoft. Making you pay for online, that's a Microsoft thing. Sony would never do that. They announced it at E3. No, they didn't. I watched it and you don't know what you heard. And then as we now know, yes, to play online multiplayer games, you needed PlayStation Plus on the PS4. And Sony just kind of slid it in there and they did that again. They have taken away one of the free games from PlayStation Plus in this announcement. They just kind of slid in there. You get two games. Orange Wright says, I remember that. I was just about to say, no always online DRM. Also, you have to pay for online now. And now, you know, let, you know, taking taking that into account, uh, now there is always online DRM. Just ask anybody who has Gran Turismo 7 what happens when the servers go down. Uh, you can't play Gran Turismo 7. So we are in that always online future that we everybody rallied against in 2013. Uh, we're in it now. And it's not just that. It, it's any of these subscription services. If you wind up going offline, it's going to kick you out of your Xbox Game Pass game as well. I learned that too from uh, MLB The Show 22. 
PlayStation Plus Extra is a new tier that includes all the essential benefits and adds up to 400 PS4 or PS5 games. Games in this extra tier are also downloadable, and it will be priced at $14.99 per month. The third tier is PlayStation Plus Premium, priced at $17.99 per month. Uh, and I believe the premium tier is essentially PlayStation Now. The premium option includes all the same benefits in Essential and Extra, alongside 340 additional games, including select PS3 titles via cloud streaming. There will also be a catalog of classic games available in both streaming and download options, including original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP games. Time-limited game trials will also be offered in this premium tier, so PlayStation owners can try games before they buy them. That's different from a demo, because a demo is a very specifically made executable uh, executable piece of code that has a portion of the game and it may be the same code that's in the final product it may not be um as they patch the main game and add features to it it, they you generally don't go back and add those to the original demo so if the demo is still available it's not going to be the latest version of the game game trials are you have access to the entire game for an hour and then once that hour's up, you know, you've got your save file, you've got your progress, you can just pick up where you left off. That's different from a demo. There are a lot of demos now that do have the ability to pick up where you left off, but a game trial is essentially you have the entire game. And if you can speed run the entire game in an hour, uh, you can beat it in the trial. That's, what it, that's the difference between a trial and a demo. Uh, and I don't see demos going away just because the trial thing exists. Now, one of the things that, uh, that that people are upset about is the PS3 games uh, are available via cloud streaming. Because PlayStation Now originally was a cloud streaming service. It was Gaikai, uh, which was uh, a streaming service that Sony had bought. And PS3 games, you still have to cloud stream. And, and processors are just so fast right now. And, you know, why can't they just emulate the PS3? And, you know, and, and I've even heard people say, don't, don't talk about the cell processor. Don't talk about how hard it is. Because we have emulators. Uh, the RPS3, or RPS, I forget the acronym, but the RPSC3 emulator exists. And it works with like 60% of the games. And uh, we even have somebody in our community that's actually a part of that project. Uh, and so I have a lot of respect for that project. But it is also a hobbyist project uh, that that is done by individuals that are not currently employed by Sony or at, really in the game industry. And... Emulating the cell processor is hard because the processors that are in our PCs or in the PS4 and PS5 or in all these other things are not programmed to do what the cell processors were supposed to do. On the cell processor, uh, A, it would divide the work. That's why it was called cell, because it would divide the work amongst all these other cells. And the games would be programmed to know exactly how that was supposed to work. And so you have to emulate that. And then, but you could say, tell a chip, do this. And that's like one instruction. And then the chip goes and does it. Well, your PC probably doesn't have that chip. So the emulator takes that one instruction and changes it to be like the hundreds of instructions that it would need to do to do it in software. So it's not easy, but you're going to sit there and say, yes, I know it's hard, but people have done it. And there is another aspect of official emulation especially something as complex as PS3 emulation would be, uh, is something I learned when I talked to Kurt Vendel. And Kurt Vendel, uh, who uh, unfortunately we lost several years ago, he was the engineer 
that did uh, the Atari flashback console. So I actually interviewed him uh, over the phone in 2006, back like early on in my podcast. Like we're talking like episode 20 or something. It was so long. It was a 40-minute interview, so I split it up again amongst two episodes. And uh, one of the things that he did is, A, he took the entire Atari 2600 and put it down on one chip. And the Atari Flashback 2 was like a classic console, but it had preloaded games. But what he did was he put the pinouts and he put support for a cartridge slot. So you could put in your Atari 2600 games. But it was not on the system itself. You had to Dremel the case to expose the cartridge slot, and then you had to buy a cartridge slot and attach it to the motherboard and solder it into the motherboard. And then it would recognize if you had a game and it would work. And I'm like, so why why did you not just ship with that? And it, the the simple answer was customer service. Because once whichever company did the Atari flashback, which I don't know if it was actually Atari or if it was some other company. I don't remember off the top of my head. This was 2006. Uh, if you include the cartridge slot, now you have to support it. And now if it doesn't work, if somebody gets their old Atari 2600 game that's been stored in an attic where it shouldn't have been and the cartridge no longer works and they put it in the system and it doesn't work, well, now they can actually file a case. They can get litigious against the makers of the Atari flashback because it was supposed to play their old Atari games and it didn't. So the reason they didn't include the cartridge slot and why none of these classic systems include a cartridge slot where you could put in your games, at least the official ones that come from the actual manufacturers, is because they don't want to have to support your old cartridges. A company that's like analog or something, which does, uh, they can do that because they can say this is as is and stuff. But if you're getting a an, a Nintendo product, like an NES Classic, and you put it, it uh, allows you to use your old NES games, they're going to expect your Nintendo games to work in your Nintendo Classic console. And that's why Nintendo did not include a cartridge port on the Classics. So the PS3 emulation, because it's only like 60% of games and stuff like that, and it doesn't work as well as you think as we believe it should. Uh, it opens up a lot of liability for Sony to officially use a PS3 emulation. So that's why it's cloud based because on the cloud they actually have PS3s, they actually have the cell processor uh, on them, and they just serve it to you over the cloud and it works. Uh, and that they're willing to support, but the emulation is probably not to a point where they feel that it is legally feasible for them to uh, for them to introduce it to the public and have the public not rake them over the coals when it doesn't work exactly the way they should. Uh, PlayStation One and Two and Vita, uh, they probably feel that is that emulation that they're doing is good enough. Uh, Nintendo the same way with their with their emulation, it's good enough. But even for the longest time, Nintendo wouldn't bring Majora's Mask emulated to consoles because they couldn't get that emulation right for a long time because it was using a lot of the very specific things that Nintendo 64 could do that other consoles later could not. At launch, so going back to current games, at launch, the uh, Sony plans to include games like Death Stranding, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Mortal Kombat 11, and Returnal. 
Sony is not making its ex- upcoming exclusive PlayStation games available on launch uh, day one through the subscription service, making it less of an Xbox Game Pass competitor. Remember, it's their answer to Game Pass, not their competitor to Game Pass. In fact, PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan suggests Sony's own games could suffer if they went straight to PlayStation Plus on day one. He said, quote, in terms of putting our own games onto the service or any of our services upon their release, well, as you know, this is not a road that we've gone down in the past, and it's not a road that we're going to go down with this service. We feel uh, that if we were to do that uh, with the games that we make at PlayStation uh, Studios, that virtuous cycle will be broken. The level of investment that we need to make in our studios would not be possible, and we think the knockoff, knock-on effect on the quality of games that we make would be something would not be something that games want end quote so what he's essentially saying there is that we sony does not make as much money as microsoft and so sony cannot afford to sink money into games that are going on a uh, subscription service like microsoft can and in order to deliver the cinematic experience that we come to expect with playstation studios titles like a horizon uh, Forbidden West or Spider-Man, Miles Morales or uh, Uncharted, the very cinematic, high budget titles that we see. He doesn't think that we they would be able to do that if you got to pay $17 a month to play them instead of paying $70 at one time. And I can kind of understand that from the financial aspect. Microsoft does have a lot more money and they have a lot of other things that they do. Uh, that can feed into the Xbox business, and Sony kind of doesn't. Like Sony's got their electronic side, uh, but the PlayStation, I th- the PlayStation side, I think, is a bigger part of Sony than the Xbox is part of Microsoft. Microsoft's really main thing is really computers and servers and and business server software and things like that. That's really what Microsoft does uh, it, as a majority thing. Whereas I think Sony doesn't have that much wiggle room. So it's kind of disappointing, but I also kind of get it. Uh, and it's also a nice talking point by saying that Xbox first-party games suck because you can just pay a subscription to get them. And unlike our games that you have to pay $70 to get, that means they are better. S. Sharon or Matt asked something about the uh, emulation, which is a really interesting topic. Would having a console with an extra processor that allows one to be able to run, play all their games natively via original disc be feasible? Clearly, it wouldn't be in Sony's best interest to do that, but I think most po- uh, folks would pay an upcharge for that console. Uh, you say Sony wouldn't do it, but they've done it multiple times. Um, in fact, all of the companies have done or Nintendo's done this as well. So the PlayStation 2 had a place like at, at least the original versions like we're not talking about like the slim or the remaster the PlayStation 2 had the PlayStation 1 chip in it so when you put a PlayStation 1 game inside your PlayStation 2 it just turned on the PlayStation 1 and you played it the original PlayStation 3 the launch day PlayStation 3 had the emotion engine which is the PS2 chip in it so when you put in a PS2 disc it flipped over to the PS2 engine uh, chip, turned it on, and you were playing natively on a PS2. Nintendo did this actually, and I didn't know this until recently, and I, I don't know why I didn't know this. It just you know never crossed my mind. Remember the Super Game Boy for the Super Nintendo? So it was a, basically it was the Super Game Boy was this thing uh, cartridge that you could put in your Super Nintendo, and then you can put a Game Boy cartridge in it. That literally had a Game Boy in it. Like there is actually all the Game Boy processing is in that. Super Game Boy, and it just feeds the the graphics and sound to the Super Nintendo, which just transmits it right out. 
because the Super Nintendo could not do some of the stuff that the Game Boy was doing. So that is something that they have done. Now, will Sony actually do this? Uh, I would pay a premium. I would I would absolutely pay like for a PS5 Ultimate that had an emotion engine and a cell processor in it. I would absolutely pay for that. And I, I would replace my PS5 with a PS5 Ultimate. I would absolutely do that. Um, you know, but will Sony actually do that? I don't know because one of the things about that they're that they're doing with this service that Microsoft is not doing is that you have to subscribe to their service to play the game, your older games, even if you've bought them before. Whereas Microsoft, if you own the original Xbox disc or the Xbox 360 disc and you put it in your Xbox One and it is backwards compatible, they let you play it. They let you download it and play it. You download the new version and it plays off that, the emulated version. Uh, But Sony is not doing that. So even though I have Chrono Cross on PlayStation 1, uh, I can't play it unless I buy it again, which we're going to get to in a second why you can't do that, or uh, you pay for the subscription service. S. Sharon Matt says, if they can get folks to pay for a subscription service to play older games rather than new hardware, then they would rather do the former. Subscription-based models are more profitable these days. NE3VL says uh, that he thinks something like that would just cater to the minority. Uh, plus, chipsets are still hard to distribute currently. Um, and, and that is the thing that we need to realize, is that the vast majority of people who are playing games on a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5... Uh, do not care about PlayStation 3 and earlier games. And I know in our microcosm of social media and Twitch chat and podcast listeners, that sounds absurd. But uh, people, the majority, the vast majority of people who play on a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 want to play the latest and greatest only, and that's it. They don't want to play the games of the past. That's in the past. That's old stuff. And Questor says there's a reason they rolled out later versions of PS3 without the Emotion Engine, and I am very sad because that's what I have now because my launch PS3 died. And so now I can't play PS2 games on my PS3. It's sad. Let's talk about those PS1 classics that you might have gotten on a PS3 or PS4. Uh, So Chrono Cross Radical Dreamers Edition came out, which I did get. Uh, I got it for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and, uh, cause it's, it's been a long time. I, I hadn't played Chrono Cross since it came out and I didn't even get far in it. In, uh, when it came out in 2000, I still have it. I still have the PlayStation one version, uh, black label, everything. Uh, but, uh, I, I've got it again. It's got its own issues. Uh, the PlayStation one played it better. Uh, digital foundry even put out a video. They're like a, of a, like a PS five running it. And it's the frame rates on a PlayStation one are better than the frame rates on the PlayStation 5. Because really, they're emulating it. It it is essentially an emulation of Chrono Cross. And uh, they're they're just emulating it. It's a poor emulation. And people are upset about it, uh, like you would expect, which is probably why they're not looking to emulate PS3 games natively on a PS5, uh, because we can't even get PS1 games right at this point. Uh, But a lot of that is also because they lost a lot of the source code. So they can't rebuild... Chrono Cross, so they are actually just running an emulator of the PS1 game with some changes in there, some 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 changes, 
but but because they don't have the original source code, Square Square was very bad at saving source code. They also lost, I think, Final Fantasy VIII. They lost Kingdom Hearts One. A lot of the original assets are gone, uh, so they've had to rebuild a lot of those, uh, and that's what's happened with Chrono Cross. So, but Chrono Cross was available as a PS One classic on the PS Three and Vita, and so that's fine, right? Um, Kotaku reports that digital purpose, uh, purchases are mysteriously expiring on classic PlayStation consoles, rendering a random assortment of games unplayable. Over the last several days, PlayStation users have reported story, uh, strange decades-old expiration dates being applied to their digital games. It's not that strange. It's not strange. I'll explain. Uh, upon re-downloading the PS1 Classic version of Chrono Cross, for instance, Twitter, uh, the Twitter user was told that the purchase expired on December 31st, 1969, preventing him to play from playing the game on both PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita. Uh, Games Hub editor Edmund Tran uh, described a similar issue trying to boot up Chrono Cross on PlayStation 3, uh, gave him the expiration date and time, only adjusted for his location in Australia. He did mention that he was able to download the PS1 Classic from his library and play just fine on Vita, despite the game's apparent delisting from the handheld store. So you can't buy it anymore. Uh, a lot of other people also found this as well. So the the expiration date is not as weird as it sounds. Um, it's uh, it's they're like, oh, it's it's December thirty first, nineteen sixty nine. It's really weird. It's it's random. It is not random at all. So I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a little bit of Unix. And if you've got Jurassic Park in your head, this is Unix. I know this. Uh, you do, you you might not know about this. So Unix has a very special way of doing time. Uh, what Unix stores time as is how many seconds it has been since the epic, E-P-O-C-H. The epic is January 1st, 1970 at midnight. So if the time in the database, which is this really long integer, is zero... That is January 1st, 1970, at midnight. If you then say, okay, that's Greenwich Mean Time, now that's December 31st, 1969, at 9 p.m. Eastern. And so that's why you would see that. Uh, so what happened is they set the expiration time or something, probably maybe an intern who hurt, pushed a button too early, which I, I don't think it's an intern, but somebody pushed a button too early, uh, or some other random glitch, said the expiration time is zero which is different than null, which is no value. If there was no value in expiration time, then it would not be expired. But if zero is the value in the expiration time in the database, that is January 1st, 1970 at midnight Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, this does mean that we're going to have a huge issue in computing. Just, just you know, you might want to tell your kids or your grandkids about this, but um, there is a very specific date in the year 2038 in which uh, we reach the last number of a 32-bit integer of how many seconds it has been since the epic, and it rolls back over to zero. So you think Y2K was bad. Uh, when we hit the that, that time in 2038, and I can't remember the... There is actually a very exact month, day, minute, uh, hour, minute, second that is the exact time that every Unix system that hasn't been upgraded by then is going to fail uh, because the time's going to reset at zero. There is a very specific time, but it is in the year 2038 
uh, and it's because of the way that it stores time. And uh, and I know that people are probably going to say, well, you know, Y2K wasn't a big deal because uh, there was a lot of of uh, of of stuff that 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 everybody was worried was going to happen, and then like Y2K was a big nothing burger. And SJ and Matt says uh, three fourteen a.m. and seven seconds on January nineteenth, twenty thirty eight. That is that is the exact second that Unix that all the Unix systems that have not been fixed by then are going to crash. Uh, and I know people are going to say, well, Y2K wasn't a big deal because the, the whole point of Y2K, the whole problem with Y2K, uh, which was uh, when January 1st, 2000, came, uh, at midnight, uh, planes were going to fall out of the sky. The power grid was going to go down. Basically, it was because some systems stored month, day, and year as two digits each. So when you got 99 and then it goes to 00, the computer thinks it's 1900. Uh, Unix had did not have this problem because it wasn't 2038 yet. But the reason Y2K wasn't as disastrous as everybody said it was or said it was going to be is actually because just about every computer scientist and computer programmer in the world that was working professionally from about 1997 until 2000 were specifically working to make sure that it wasn't a big deal. A lot of money was spent, a lot of resources was spent, a lot of time was spent to make sure that Y2K was nothing. And since we, we made it to January 1st, 2000, and nothing really happened, uh, that's a testament to like the three or four years that everybody spent making sure that nothing would happen. And E3Vale says, I remember Y2K, my family stocked up on water for some reason. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great doomsday scenario, but like a lot of people, and I, I know this because my father was a software developer, and he essentially spent like every everything he was doing between 1997 and 2000 was making legacy systems that he had worked on uh, not break on January 1st, 2000. And, and, he, and he worked, and it worked. So... So, yeah, so people are posting the Wikipedia problem. Yeah, it's, if you go to Wikipedia and you look up uh, year 2038 problem, uh, you will actually find uh, information about this. And um, there's even a visual here that I can pull up uh, that, that shows what's going to happen when you when you reach the epic uh, and you reach this year 2038. So, uh, so what happened with Chrono Cross and all the other PS1 classics? Uh, it... Um, Essentially, it, they, they put uh, the, the time of zero in the expiration part of the database uh, when it really should be blank. And E3Real says, well, they have 15 years to fix it. Yes, they have 15 years to fix it. Nobody's going to bother working to fix it until 2036. That's just the way we are. 15 years is way out in the future. Um, you know, so there's no point in trying to fix it yet because why waste all that money now? So in about 2035 or 2036, you're going to see a big concerted effort and you're going to hear a lot of media about the year 2038 problem. Y238 is probably what they'll call it. I don't know. Um, but uh, you're going to hear a lot about it then. And there's going to be a big push to fix everything uh, starting in 2035 or 2036. And Mike Def says, let all those future devs fix it. Hey, I'll be retired by then. So I'm not going to be. Well, hopefully I'll be retired by then. Knock on wood. But, uh, but yeah. 
one other uh, one one other uh, story. This was uh, brought into the Discord, and because I've talked about this a lot, I feel like I should at least mention this. And you know, we're, nobody's surprised at this anymore, based on the uh, stuff that uh, uh, the the news that has come out about in television. Uh, that uh, in television's pro- not not doing too well. The new in television entertainment, COVID. Uh, really kind of messed up their timelines and they were unable to recover. Uh, and the Video Games Chronicle reports that GameStop customers have been reporting that their pre-orders for Intellivision's Amico console have been canceled. A number of Twitter users have been posting screenshots of emails they've been receiving from GameStop, which claim Intellivision has asked it to cancel all pre-orders. Uh, the email said, quote, Dear customer name, due to vendor cancellation, we will be unable to fulfill your order number. We will be canceling your order and you will not be charged, unquote. Members of the private Intellivision Amico Club have also been reporting that they, too, have had their orders canceled. Um, and uh, someone transcribed a voicemail. They said, quote, I'm just calling regarding your reservation for the Intellivision Amico Galaxy Purple GameStop exclusive. I just want to let you know that GameStop has uh, just alerted us that they will no longer be releasing the product and it has been completely canceled, unquote. Uh, I have a Founders Edition and I have not received an email yet. That does not mean I'm not going to receive one. Uh, it's really looking like Intellivision is going to file for bankruptcy pretty soon. And uh, because they ended their funding early and they probably needed to get that money so they could file bankruptcy proceedings. Uh, they released a video showing the unboxing. So they have all that. And I think that I think that's a last ditch effort to show an investor, an angel investor that, hey, we have something here. Uh, they do have working hardware. They do have dev kits out. They have shown it in public. Uh, they they can assemble them in in house. Uh, but that's not mass production. They can't mass produce them. Uh, they got stiffed by a, a vendor for like to the tune of like 1.5 million for for uh, the chips, the main processor, and so they haven't been able to recover from that because they probably don't have the money to get the legal recourses and stuff. And uh, yeah, so it's a shame. Uh, I did have Tommy Tallarico on the show talking all about the Intellivision Amico right when the beginning of the pandemic. He was still hopeful that they would hit their August 2020 date. That didn't happen. He's stepped back. He's taking care of his father. Uh, I know some people don't believe him when he says he's taking care of his father. I have not asked for, we're not going to ask for proof. I'm assuming when we see the obituary for his father, whenever that happens, uh, we'll, we'll know it's true, but we don't have verification. That's what's going on. But uh, yeah, so I'm hoping, you know, I'll let you know as, as a founder, uh, if I get an email or if I get my money back. And as Sherwin and Matt says, they have at least one for an unboxing video. They have about, there's about 400 Amicos out there uh, with, like, developers. I think they've said they've made, like, 400 of them. So we're going to take a quick music break, uh, and then we will come back. And uh, if you want to call in, go into the Green Room voice chat channel over at vognetwork.com slash discord, and maybe we can, uh, you can call in. I still have my pack of video game quiz cards that I can I can ask you questions from if you really want, uh, or we'll, 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 we can just talk to OLR. Uh, but we're going to take a quick music break. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. This is Christopher Tin, composer of Baba Yetu, and you're listening to the Bobby Blackwolf Show. 
See, that's the Grammy winner I've had on the show. I should have probably played that one, that that bumper last week. Uh, but yeah, Christopher Tin, I actually had him on the show after he won his Grammy. The 8-Bit Big Band last week won the second video game Grammy ever uh, with a, a uh, cover of Kirby Superstar's Meta Knight's Revenge. Uh, and so congratulations to them. And everybody's like, you should get them on the show. And because I'm, I'm apparently really good at getting Grammy winners on the show. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of pull anymore in the industry. Uh, the industry does not agree that I am, uh, I, I am a good person to, to, to do interviews with anymore. Uh, back in the past, I was, but uh, I, I let other people do that now. Uh, so uh, I wanted to also mention that I am a proud member of the Georgia Influencers Network, and they wanted me to uh, tell people that uh, the Georgia Game Developer Association will be live streaming an esports special on April 12th directly from Skillshot Media. They're the Skillshot offices. So this is the uh, – it, they broke off from High Res Studios, which makes Smite uh, and Paladins, and they do a lot of esports broadcasting. Uh, and they're going to be doing a uh, special live stream starting at 7 o'clock Eastern over on their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Organic. Uh, it's a great chance to share an inside look at the esports industry. Uh, so if you're actually looking into getting into the esports industry, that might be something to look into. So uh, Mike Deft asked, do we blame Variety for that? No, it, we don't blame Variety for me not being as relevant. It's more, you see... I don't have the drive as much as I used to to go out and do these things. And also, you know, I had met Christopher Tin before at an event. Uh, so I had already met him before. And so I kind of had that in. And since there are no industry trade shows anymore, uh, it's really hard to meet other people in the industry. So you can have that pre-existing uh, relationship so you can then call them up and, you know, talk to them and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And like now I don't know anybody in the industry. Everybody that I knew back then uh, when I was getting all that uh, access, uh, they no longer work in the industry. So I have no contacts anywhere anymore to get these type of interviews. So it's not Variety's fault. It's 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 mine. Like I could do more, uh, but I'm actually happy where I am. And uh, believe it or not, people, uh, I get interventions a lot when I go to like conventions to talk about podcasting and stuff because they're like, you could do so much more. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And but I, I like my life and I like what I'm doing now in terms of my day job. I'm one of those few people that like their day job and don't want to quit my day job to become a Twitch streamer full time. I'm one of those weird people, which is why I don't try. I leave that for other people. I think like the the only story that came across that I didn't talk about this week uh, was about Activision actually bringing in a lot of their QA people, their QA testers, into being coming full time employees instead of contractors, and that that that's great for them. Uh, some of their uh, QA people were already full time employees, but they're bringing all the contractors in to be full time employees. So I think that's pretty good. E three VL and Mike Deft says Kingdom Hearts four. Yes, so uh, today. Kingdom Hearts 4's first trailer uh, was was released, and uh, it's uh, I, I I finally got to see it. I've, I've been actually pretty busy this weekend, uh, but I still wound up checking this out. Uh, and and uh, it's it's going to be set in what looks like the real world. Now it's going to be great when this game does finally come out in like twenty thirty eight. 
uh, hopefully we'll still be able to play it in 2038 when it comes finally comes out, and we're going to get like five or six mobile games between then. Uh, you know, 3.2. Uh, no, we're going to have Pi. I, I want Kingdom Hearts Pi. Kingdom Hearts 3.141579, whatever. Uh, we need that uh, to, to tie all this together. And so I'm sure that's going to come out first before Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, but but it has Sora looking like, uh, you know, a realistic Sora. Because as we all know, when Sora enters another... Uh, another uh, world, like a Disney world, he takes on the appearance of that world. So he looks uh, like, a, you know, an anime boy now. And um, yeah, and, and uh, Mike Def says, I can't wait for Kingdom Hearts 420. Well, unfortunately, that's going to be after 2038. So we're we're probably not going to see that. That'll be in, in 2041. Uh, but, uh, but yes, they showed off and they actually showed off gameplay. So like kudos to them for showing off what looks like to be actual gameplay in this trailer. It's a three-minute trailer, uh, and there's a big boss fight. But and but if it's not actual gameplay, they made it look like it because they put all the HUD elements around, which look exactly like Kingdom Hearts 3's HUD elements. Uh, they at least showed that. And so it's it's more Kingdom Hearts gameplay. Uh, but it's set in a big skyscraper city with cars and a big demon, heartless demon, huge heartless demon eating cars. And then Sora, a realistic looking Sora, runs or, uh, runs out and summons a Keyblade and starts fighting him. Mike Def says it was uh, that this was done in Unreal Engine four, but the final game is going to be done in Unreal Engine five. Yeah, so they're they're going to have to change the engine up. But uh, it. Kudos to them because it actually does look like gameplay. It's got like the 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 correct pauses that you would expect from an alpha build of the game when different things happen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to 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 hear more about it. But uh, you know, it's going to be many many years before we get to play it. Unfortunately, like I, I don't I don't I'm not holding my breath uh, for this. But um, I'm ready. And E3 Veil says, I think they did that too in the Final Fantasy 15 trailer, but the real version was not the same. Yeah, no, they, they do target renders a lot uh, where they'll even show the HUD and stuff like that. And they're called target renders. So that is what, what, uh, what, what they probably got here. And then uh, they, they, just, just to please the Disney fans, uh, you know, this is still a Disney game. Donald and Goofy are there. There's a Disney villain uh, at the end of the trailer, that's not revealed, but it's blue flame, so you know exactly who it is. Um, and uh, and it's Hades, and they they leave it on that. So yes, there's still the Disney stuff, even though it's a very realistic looking game. Uh, and there is it's magic in the making. They did not even they did not even say holiday 2038, but you know it's going to be holiday 2038. Matt says Donald will be useless even in the Unreal Five engine. Mike Def says, I seriously can't believe that we got info on Kingdom Hearts 4 first before Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. That's a good point. So coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and we like to check in with them and see what's going on and uh, see see uh, see what they think of Kingdom Hearts 4 Sacramento. Are you there? 
I am here. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 4 is a thing. It's conceptually, yes. Conceptually. They they got a target render with HUD graphics and everything, and they even, like, paused it at certain points to make it look like it's actually running from a console. I mean, if they're kind of reusing the Kingdom Hearts 3 engine in a way, I don't know how that's going to happen if they're changing Unreal, but okay, uh, maybe. I mean, there wasn't as much time between one and two all yeah. things considered as there was between two and three so yeah. maybe there's maybe they got something I mean, going on Who i knows? do i do believe kingdom hearts 3 was made in unreal engine 4 so if they were building if that mm. was unreal engine 4 they're probably using the kingdom hearts 3 engine to do that and then they're going to rebuild everything in ue5 which finally came out this past year sounds good i i hope i i hope we get to play it before i pass away yeah Somebody joked, and I, I don't have kids, so I, I couldn't use this joke. It was like, yeah, I can't wait for my grandkids to play Grand, uh, Kingdom Hearts 4. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's true. Um, yeah. So have you picked up the Chrono Cross, or were you ever into the Chrono Cross series, or have you, have you gone down that route? I like Scars of Time, but yeah. um, I have, I've passed on Chrono Cross, and it has nothing to do with my, um, uh, my controversial takes on Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it has everything to do with the fact that it looked a lot like the Final Fantasy VIII remaster to me, yeah. and um, which is funny because I have some pretty big hot takes when it comes to Final Fantasy VIII. But I swear, putting all of that aside, I actually did attempt to play the Final Fantasy VIII remaster because it was on Game Pass um, for mm-hmm. a hot minute. I don't think it is anymore, but it was. And uh, it looked like uh, a word I can't say on your family-friendly show. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's my honest opinion. That Final Fantasy VIII remaster looked like a dumpster, but worse. Yeah. Um, it was it was terrible. And um, so I, I was a little worried with Chrono Cross. It's probably going to have a similar look to it. Yep. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, it's, well, Final Fantasy VIII kind of also looked like a dumpster on the PlayStation 1. We just didn't, uh, didn't think it did in 1997. Yeah. Uh, so it looks the same as it did on ni- but, in the 1997. Plus, that natural blur on the old CRT TVs, yes. you know, it, it, it does a lot of favors. Yes. It, it, it allows the imperfections to um, it, it be there. You yeah. know, um, it's why when we see things pixel perfect, emulation sometimes brings out the worst in games. Because when mm-hmm. you see things pixel perfect, um, you kind of go, well, that looks a little rougher than I remember it. Well, that's because mm-hmm. you know, CRTs kind of had that natural blur to it yep. that we've lost over the years there is an amazing twitter account that i follow uh Mm -hmm. and it's crt pixels i believe i'm looking it up right now to see if i can Mm -hmm. uh yeah crt pixels and all this account does is it takes pictures of their uh, of uh of games that like here's what it looks like in emulation and here's what it looks like on my actual crt and so they'll show things and i'm going to pop this up on the on the um uh, on the screen for people here to see is sure. like this is uh you know so what people on the stream are seeing that's the pis- pixel perfect from kirby and then that's what it looks like on a crt and it's just it smooths it out a little bit and you can actually see uh you know it's not as sharp but you see that what they were trying to do because a lot of the a lot of the pixel artists of the time were mm-hmm. building it for a crt so they were using mm-hmm. all these little tricks to kirby make it looks look round right. yes yeah. So, so it's an amazing Twitter account. He he does a lot of great stuff because it's very difficult to to capture a CRT. He actually has like this really high end camera. He gets really close to a CRT monitor to get these pictures, and it, it's it's really interesting to go through because it, it, you get to see like 
and they try there's always in a lot of these collections there's like there's crt mode or scan lines they they all they all make the game look like duty caca like none of them are giving that effect of actually playing it on an old tv none of them i've yet to see one of those filters that's worth hoot yes there was one that i had heard that's where they did like they they made it work but Mm. it's just because they don't they do a little more smoothing than just put the lines in because a lot of times the scans line are like, oh, we're just going to put a line in between and, you know, put it. But there's also like some that will actually do the blurring and the smoothing and stuff. And it actually works pretty well. Uh, but uh, only I'm like curious. very few things actually do that. Mm-hmm. So. So cool. What else are you going to be talking about on uh, Orange Lounge Radio tonight? I was going to mention Kingdom Hearts 4, but you beat me to it. That's mm-hmm. all right. Um, well, you know what well, we could talk about because Kingdom Hearts 4 is confirmed. A lot of people are saying that there is an old NVIDIA rumor from about a year ago or so that is seeming to indicate there could be more things um, confirmed. It's one of those things where mm-hmm. maybe the rumor was true all along. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about, oh, uh, a new uh, Monkey Island game officially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there was what, but now we're going to get returned to monkey island is coming out and um of course with the um sonic movie doing very well in theaters this weekend this is leading to talk about smash brothers initiative when um Mm -hmm. so the 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 director of sonic has been asked about it so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, on tonight's show as well all right orange Sonic radio is up next thanks so much rob thanks as always bobby so uh that is it for me i will be back next sunday night 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific Right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vlog network. Come join us and uh, be part of the show directly. Uh, if you want to leave a bumper, uh, contact me uh, on our Discord server, vlognetwork.com slash Discord, or you can even email me, bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com if you really want, or Twitter DMs at bobbyblackwolf. That is where I am. Hey, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make this show work without the people who do ab- go above and beyond. All we ask is that you listen or watch, and, and that is all we really, really, really ask for. But some people do go above and beyond. Thank you so much, Dark Sakura, for your resubscription. Uh, tier 2 subscription. So thank you so much for that. We unfortunately don't have Tier 2 emotes. Uh, we should probably get on that so Dark, uh, so Dark Sakura can have a Tier 2 emote that nobody else has. We should probably get on that. Uh, I I should put that on the list. So uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, I appreciate all of y'all being here. I'm going to hit the button uh, and uh, hit so I can stop talking. Uh, So thank you so much. And uh, I hope if you haven't seen the Sonic movie and you like it, I hope you really enjoy it. It just wasn't for me. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.